0: I'm your host, Jackie Naaman jones and this is Jackie's Hand of Horror. Today, I've got Tanya Atomic, my co-host, with me. Hello. And our other co-host, Rachel Jackson. Howdy. And on today's show, we're talking about zombie Zombie Animals. animals. Well, for our movie trailer review today, we just watched... The review of Zombievers from 2014. Uh, Wow. What did I just watch? Wow. (laughs) It was... Crazy stuff. hmm, (laughs) It it was very much in uh, the style of all these movies with cute little girls in bikinis and mindless and... And they're dumb, dumb boyfriends. And,
1: yeah, they're even dumber boyfriends gaslighting them. I, mean, I really enjoyed that Where's Waldo was there in the lake being like, oh, nothing's happening with these spooky beavers. Well,
0: then at but least I, he got his foot chewed off. Yeah, that was, was a little bit... <laughs> trailer spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> it's I a would train. say it's done that way on purpose,
2: though. It's like super over the top, and it's using all the, you know,
0: cheesy... Horrible stuff that you see in old. Oh yeah, yeah like homes. the old tobacco spitting guy saying, yeah. "They go, oh, are there any beavers around yeah. here?" And he's like, "Well, I see some or whatever." He's he said. I fine. mean, like that had
1: to happen at some point. Of course, <laughs> so that's just right there. I mean, but fortunately, uh, he probably gets killed too. Like he would have to be like in tropes. He'd have to be killed I'm like second to last or something k- like yeah. that. You yeah, you hope so. Either that or
2: he yeah. turns a corner and changes. I hope he's not. He's <laughs> too gross. <laughs> to but <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was pretty gross in that he's too gross
1: to turn around much here's the thing that i don't get beavers are already creepy mean animals (laughs) like i wouldn't swim toward a beaver dam even if they weren't zombie beavers no (laughs) No, they're just like no they have sharp teeth and they're mean that's really dumb yeah (laughs) it's like a take a.
0: Take a mean animal and make it even creepier worse. Yeah. And, and honestly the worst part of the film and this is another spoiler alert for a uh, a trailer, but, um, <laughs> for the but yeah, they paid me a trailer spoiler alert. But, you know, there's that cute little dog in there, oh. and in the trailer, they show the dog get killed. I mean, that's it for me. I don't want to see this movie. Now, is
1: that a thing? Is that a trope? Cute little animals have to be sacrificed in the films as well. I don't think so. Okay, yeah, yeah. cute little dog makes it. Usually, um, the, yeah, the cute little one makes...
2: Well, the cute little one makes it or not, but it's always a thing. Right. It's like, yeah. whether it makes it and it's like, yay, or it doesn't. It's like, oh, I no. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> I don't want to see it.
1: <laughs> I would personally... I would see this movie based on the name alone. So I did, the trailer could have been terrible, and I would still want to see this movie. I think they're <laughs> counting on that. Yeah. As it is, though, the trailer made me more want to see it, especially the last moment when... Did the beaver hollow out the girl and like, oh, co- or did she turn into yeah. a beaver? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, someone she's going on with there. a girl beaver yeah. <laughs> yeah. transformation. Yeah. All yeah. that yeah.
0: orthodontic work out the yeah. door. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so yeah, I
0: orthodontists don't see this.
2: I think because of the WTF <laughs> moments, like this is crazy, <laughs> and the super over the top camp of it. That mm-hmm. I love that. So yeah. I would definitely see. It. You'd see it. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, you all tell me well, what you thought then. <laughs> <laughs> that's it on that one. All right, this movie review uh for our trailer was Zombies 2016 um well, it was definitely in the style of Jurassic Park, and uh, I have to say the effects, the animal effects, were really good. I was surprised for for a film like this with n- none of the actors that I really recognized. A couple of them maybe mm-hmm. I'd seen in a couple, in a few things, but nobody I could name. And uh, I was actually really impressed.
2: <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a, a lower budget type director. Video maybe type film, but yeah, for that it looked like it had pretty high production value in in that category of films. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, comparing it to Zombievers, I have said like it's their their special effects are like above and beyond. Oh, um, way... what, what we just saw.
0: I was really impressed with those effects, especially the monkeys <laughs>
1: <laughs> and basically it's zoo <laughs> zoo
2: animals turning into zombies right. and it's in a large that's how Wait, it was sort of like jurassic park it's in a large park like yeah. setting yes. this is like a An safari animal safari park. Park. yeah mm-hmm. and, like these are
1: intern like a bus full of of interns have just arrived and and everything goes to hell <laughs> yeah and and
0: they're all those uh classic basic characters you expect there's always the you know the buff guy and the Asian guy and the <laughs> the gum chomping girl with her hair, you know, in a ponytail. <laughs> it's like all those they had all those typical characters that you expect, but I would definitely watch this. It it looked very entertaining. And it looked like it had some uh some good comedy pieces in there. Uh-huh. Hello, Mr. Kowan <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, fact... I've,
1: I've never been so eager to watch a kid get eaten by a crocodile <laughs> than I am right now. Um, Sorry, whoever when, you are, little when I watch actress. This movie, but yeah. She doesn't really she... get eaten. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Not really. Not really, really. (laughs) No actual children were killed. The three of us erupted into laughter (laughs) (laughs) a few times on this trip. I'm like, that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. 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 Um. One thing about the whole thing that I think is hilarious and bothers me in a lot of zombie movies is that everyone's going out zombie animal hunting wearing shorts yeah you know, right like, whoa let's cover those extremities
2: kids. zombie and snakes
0: and
1: oh heck yeah, yeah. i'd
0: have thigh high wading boots and i don't know yeah I'm,
1: or i wouldn't go out hunting them at well, all I, I mean yeah I that's the, I mean. the truth i yeah.
0: wouldn't go out in the first place so i would see it i would definitely want to see this film
1: i would i definitely want to see it like it, it might even like be kind of high on my list to locate and watch now <laughs> okay um, and and i want to see the new thor movie soon so but yeah. i to see this sooner
2: okay i say zombie giraffes <laughs> <laughs> hello mr koala uh-huh. yeah
0: yeah 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 definitely and, and birds i must yeah. see uh, that oh, right. kinda, that was interesting the idea it's like the, the coming out of the, in the in sky it. yeah yeah that's
1: bothersome (laughs) (laughs) they're they're certainly going to spread it really quickly that way yeah them bird viruses we Mm. know
0: so today on our zombie animal episode for our idea section our dark arts is we're talking about How to Turn a Cute, Innocent Teddy Bear, a Stuffed Bear, into a Man-Eating Grizzly Zombie. Uh, We have Nudia here with us again today. Hello. Thank you again. You're welcome. And Tanya and Rachel, of course. Hello. (laughs) And uh, Rachel found this one, which is absolutely appropriate, being the puppeteer and all. So, Rachel, tell me how you came across this thing and what you think and talk about it.
1: Okay. Um, well, our old friend Google was, was our friend as usual. I, I googled how to make a zombie animal um, and, and have to give a, a thankful shout out to Lucy at a blog called Surpriseaholic um, because apparently she was dressing up as a zombie child for Halloween one year and decided she needed a zombie uh, stuffed teddy <laughs> like you do. Of course. I mean obviously um so so this we could also file this under super completeness in cosplay if you like yes um, but yeah the 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 basic basics of this are you go to your a thrift store you get a stuffed bear or another stuffed animal if you'd prefer um and and yeah and then you you change it <laughs> <laughs> um you you add details that make it look more zombie-like. Um, in, in her case, she added like pointed teeth and uh, a lot of red so it looks like blood. And she kind of carved out its chest and created sort of a fake rib cage for it. It's really, really well done. It's creepy as heck.
0: Yeah, she used things like, like fingernails.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's all things you have around the house, which is it makes it extra wonderful in my book. Yeah, entrails, I think she said were plastic
0: bag.
1: Mm-hmm. With more red paint in them. Um and I've used um fake fingernails for teeth before, so I can I can second this as as something that works ridiculously well. And look at and
0: look at the picture. It looks like uh yeah, she went and even cut them to make oh. them more jagged like.
2: And I think I think she yeah. did this, but I think you can um paint the eyes so they look more creepy. And um mm-hmm. Definitely use that red paint to look like blood and guts and stuff.
1: Totally. Um, and you could even take this further. Like you could pop one of the eyes out and then kind of reattach it with some red things. So it looks like it's got an eye hanging out. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Because zombies rot, you know. It happens. Exactly. Like
3: reconstructed or something.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I just thought of this. You could even like get a doll arm and put it in its mouth or something like that. Just for, for oh. an extra gross factor.
0: Oh yeah. Or or a fake skeleton, like one of those Halloween skeletons that hang up. You take one of their arms and put it in its mouth or or have it stick it oh, totally. out of its gut like it already oh. ate it. Yeah, or
2: like a little plastic grain or something.
0: Oh, yeah, that would be cool. The possibilities are endless. Oh yes. man. Um, I'm totally doing this.
1: Yes. I mean I should also say that's that's a design choice, right? Like like looking at her extremely awesome zombie teddy bear it looks pretty freshly turned right it does. like the blood is pretty red etc <clears throat> um if you want your zombie stuffed animal to be a little further along then like you would distress it a little bit more i think right the rib cage is picked clean and it shouldn't be that clean it's just more like the red the, the blood is red and stuff and like it looks its skin is still brown like i'm, I'm thinking you'd get some grays involved and have flaps of skin hanging gotcha. out yeah
2: yeah, it's like hers is just zombie fine, like fresh. Yeah. You could have one that's been rotting for a while.
1: Yeah, like you'd paint it gray and maybe like distress it a little bit more with like a cheese grater or just cut some flaps so they're flapping loose.
2: fur falling off.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <coughs> um maybe uh soak it in some tea. And don't use Yeah, don't use only red for the blood, maybe
3: combine with a little bit of bluish or purplish. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're creative here. Yeah. I know. I
0: really want to make one. Now. It's just one of the
1: things I've liked um, on The Walking Dead as it's gone along. Is the zombies are clearly getting more and more deteriorated, and it's mm. kind of fun to watch how they're doing that.
0: Oh, oh yeah, progression, yeah. right? Everything ages, even zombies. Even zombies.
1: Yeah. But this is totally a fun rainy day craft for yourself or and the children in your life. I mean you've got little dark children that like to do twisted things. Um I was a pretty twisted yes, child. That's my
0: yeah. me too. Yeah. That's my granddaughter. She she and I, yeah. That's a total fun even maybe us when we were kids. Yeah,
1: totally. I don't oh. know if you
0: remember
3: thinking about that, but I I was I remember I was always just imagining in my mind how to dress as a tarantula. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> so, so, and I was like five years old. So,
0: yeah. Something yeah. like that. I used to destroy my dolls. I'd cut their hair off, and then I'd cut holes in them because I wanted to know what was inside, you know? Yeah. So, so the I didn't any yeah. yeah. They thought I was going to be a doctor <laughs> or, or a magician. <laughs> murder i don't know <laughs> all
1: right. it's a thin line
0: but yeah the- now i just get killed in film <laughs> well exactly i was about to say that you can be all those in the acting life that's right yes and yeah. and all of us here talking we explore those things in many directions yes. which is really yeah. cool but we Maybe haven't killed anybody
2: we, don't, we don't what we do
0: well we know my dis- my disclaimer, none of us have killed anyone that I know of
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so no, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what you guys have done <laughs> I, I have dismembered many stuffed animals though, that is true
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's true oh, that reminds me real quick of a, a joke I read, something overheard in a Portland coffee shop somebody said to somebody else do you know how many Muppets were killed to make that coat?
1: <laughs> oh. oh, no <laughs> Aww. Aww. Yeah. it's okay. They don't feel pain. Okay. Are you sure? I mean, they don't scream.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, they don't have voice boxes either, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> well, that's it on our zombie animal or our dark art section making a teddy bear into a man-eating grizzly so we'll be posting some uh, some tips and hints and uh, we really encourage you to go off in your own direction in this and if you make one please please share the pictures with us on the Facebook page yeah please do
2: Tanya Tomic here. Thank you for joining us for our interview segment. Today we're here with Bill Overs Jr. And we are going to be talking about. Well, the first thing I wanted to ask you about was um, since we're talking zombies, was Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that film?
4: Hmm, you had to bring that up, didn't you, Tanya? <laughs> well, you know what? I tried my best to play Abraham. I love Abraham Lincoln. I've always thought if that, you know, if Abraham Lincoln were fighting zombies, that he'd probably be the way he was fighting Confederates. You know, he'd be resolute and uh, he might have a little bit of a sense of humor and he might even have some sympathy for them. So that's the way I tried to play him was as if he actually were fighting zombies i want to camp it up and i got to do the gettysburg address which i think is the only time the gettysburg address has been done in a zombie film
2: probably yeah <laughs> i don't have any numbers on that but i wore high heels
4: you know um oh you did yeah because i'm five nine on a really good day <laughs> and so uh, uh i was the replacement lincoln they had a lincoln who was like Uh, He was like 6'4 or something, really tall guy, and um, it didn't work out between them for some reason. And so I got this emergency call from David Latt at the asylum who said, can you get on a plane and fly to Savannah, Georgia in the morning and play Abraham Lincoln? And I was like, David, I'm 5'9". He said, you can stand on a box. It'll be fine. Uh, So they ordered me these shoes, and they're actually called the Tom Cruise They are lifts, and they're modeled after the ones that Mr. Cruz wears, and they get you up, oh, hell, probably three and a half, maybe four inches. It's a good lift, but your foot is almost at a 90-degree angle. Tanya, I don't know if you wear high heels ever. I do, yeah. How do you do it?
2: You know, it does take a little bit of practice. I won't lie. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to... It's, it
4: takes balance, yeah. Oh, so yeah, you actually 60, spot so, zombies in
2: here.
4: so Lincoln had his butt pointed straight out, you know, and if I had boobs, they'd have been pointing up to the moon. Um, and I'm running across the field chasing zombies about to fall off my heels. It was uh, it was great. It was really, really fun. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of I had a lot of fun. I'll tell you that the people who played zombies there, they were very, very diligent. They had a zombie school. And to teach them how to be the particular type of zombies they wanted for this movie, and everybody has their own idea how zombies should move you know somebody some of them grumbled because they said, "Well, you know these zombies don 't move fast enough; they just sort of shuffle, uh, but everybody hewed the line and played the kind of zombies they wanted them to play it was It was a dedicated film, everybody on there really wanted people to have fun
2: well, I think that 's important you know to to be real serious about what you 're doing, even no matter what the outcome's supposed to be. And then it'll read. It'll come across. So what, what else are you up to? What have you been up to?
4: I am doing my usual mix of movies and stage. I keep going back and forth because when I do one, I miss the other. And when I do the other, I miss the other. Um, so right now I'm getting ready to start the new Rob Zombie movie. And then my stage project at the moment is called Ray Bradbury Live Forever. And it's a solo portrayal of Ray Bradbury. I got permission from his estate to do this. And this has been a dream project for a while uh, to try to do Ray Bradbury on stage in the way that Hal Holbrook did Mark Twain years ago.
2: Nice. And then you um, have been touring with that show?
4: That's a brand new show. We haven't done it yet. It's going to debut off-Broadway next year. And uh, the process for getting off-Broadway begins with a staged reading in an off-Broadway theater. So that's coming up in April. And I will say that if any of your listeners are in the New York State area, if they are fans of your show, they're fans of Bradbury, fans of sci-fi, if you'd like to attend the stage reading, just send an email to raybradburyliveforever at gmail.com. Or you can just go to the website raybradburyliveforever.com. Um, and it, it will tell you how to ask for complimentary seats because we, we will have producers and investors there, but I really want there to be some people in the room who just love Bradbury, love sci-fi, and love the material. Um, and hopefully through this reading, we will find the group of uh, investors that we need to move it forward and then uh, produce it off-Broadway. To me, it it's an easy sell because... Bradbury is about dinosaurs and rockets to Mars you know and all of that really fun stuff but he he's yeah. also about the uh the how do i put this best the pathos of being human mm-hmm. he said what drives me this is bradbury speaking he said what drives me is immense gratitude at having been given this one chance to live this one time around in an experience that is both miraculous and desperate. I accept them both. I accept the whole damn thing. And Mm. that's what I love about him is he doesn't sugarcoat what humanity is, but he doesn't despair. He says, that if we go to Mars, and we will, we're going to take with us every damn bit of our pettiness our meanness and our selfishness, but we'll also take with us our higher aspirations and we'll see which one wins out. We'll just see. So that's why I love Bradbury.
2: Yeah, he he definitely had a great, um, like even though he's writing about fantastical things, he had a great uh, insight on in humanity and his own humanity. He,
4: he also is preaching in ways that he wouldn't even recognize. Um, I decided to do this show after the election of 2016 Um, Because I thought I wanted to do something with my art that lifted people up out of the morass that I saw us beginning to slide into. So we began this piece with um, um, a short story that he wrote in 1953, which is called The Murderer. And it's about a man who is a prisoner of the state because he has murdered his sentient house and his phone. He's tired of devices talking to him, and he's tired of being in touch. He no longer wants to be in touch all of the time, so he's considered insane. And then we move on to a sound of thunder, which is somebody who goes back in time, messes up the timeline, and they flip a crucial presidential election and find that the worst possible person has been elected president of the United States. He doesn't read. He's an anti-intellectual. He's (laughs) anti-human. And this man has caused it, and so that's how we start the the show. So yeah, Ray. He always said, "I don't predict the future; I try to prevent it." But he did predict so many things. And you know, yeah. Fahrenheit Four Five One is being turned into a movie by HBO, which stars Michael B. Jordan and Michael Shannon. And Jordan, of course, is hot off the Black Panther. So the The fumes from that promotion uh, for that movie airing in May is going to help this project. That's great.
2: I wanted to ask you, you know, because you do do a lot of stage and you do a lot of film and also television. They're all so yeah. different. Um, it, I mean, do you have a favorite? Do you have? Um, I know you like to do them all. That's why you go back and forth. Is there a different mindset oh, yes. you have to get in? Because I know for me, it's, it's such, they're such different mediums and you have to they treat quite, them differently.
4: They absolutely are different. Um, and it depends on whether you want a date or whether you want to hop into bed. And that, that's the difference between them. Um, film, here's, the, th- the, here's th- the three ways I break it down. Stage first. Stage is a blind uh-huh. date you've never met this collective person who is the audience before and you'll never meet them again. Oh my gosh. It sounds almost like a hookup. Okay. It's a, blind, but but you don't know that you won't meet them again. It's a blind date. And so you were on your best behavior and you were trying to learn about them. As you go, you're feeling your way. Should I say this now fast or should I go kind of slow? And they're learning you. And if it works, by the end of the evening, you have a lean-in for a little goodnight kiss, just a little peck. That's the bow. And then you leave both of you wanting more. Uh, television is more like a uh, controlled environment. Maybe it's um, a person that you've been dating for a while. You're still sort of into them. And so when you get together, there's a, uh, it's very methodical. Uh, and you move, you know, you move a little faster than you move when you were first dating, but you still enjoy it. Television, uh, film is a whore. Film is a ravenous whore. <laughs> film, and I use whore, I mean it as a compliment. I mean, film is an entity that wants you to touch it in a certain way. The camera wants you to touch it, stroke it, and make it feel good. And it won't give you much of an opportunity to do it. And if you don't do it the way it likes it, it'll very quickly look away from you and look towards somebody else. So when you're doing film, you have to be very, very aware of what you do well on camera and what you don't. It's very technical. Some of that bleeds over to television too, but especially film, because you don't get many tries, especially in indie film. So you need to learn as an actor, what light do I look best in? And it's not vanity, it's just... I have a limited set of things that I can project well on film. Anybody does. What light works with my face? What what type of vocal mannerisms work well with my face? What archetype am I putting across to people? And so you, you better learn all of that and learn it really quick. And that's why uh, successful actors who work a lot in film get accused of playing the same character over and over again. Because we do. Because <laughs> that character works, and everybody can't play everything. Do you have a favorite? Of what? Of what? Of, of,
2: mediums. of, of mediums.
4: No, um, it sounds like a cop out to say no, but no. each one can each one can be so delicious. No. I, I people disparage television because it shoots quickly, but then I think of my experience on Criminal Minds which was a love fest for a horror fan from beginning to end because Matthew Gray Gubler, the director, he was a big horror Mm -hmm. fan. I got cast in that because I would did an extra job in a um, movie called Excision and a buddy of his, Richard Bates had directed that. That's how he knew about me. The makeup Mm -hmm. person that I had was a huge Lon Chaney fan. And we decided to make the character sort of an homage to Lon Chaney and I remember being on set with Adrian Barbeau, who had been in so many great, you know, horror movies that I love, The Fog, and this and that, um, and working through those scenes. And so, yeah, even though you're working fast, it can be wonderful. And there are experiences on film that are wonderful. And Lord knows there are many, many times on stage when you just feel a transcendence, and the audience does too. So they're all great. And none of them are real. You know, Tanya, that's the thing. Like, well, I don't know what's real what? anymore. Like, I'm touching a desk right now. Is this real or is the conversation that we're having the reality? You know what I mean? Like, what, what, what is reality? Is it the physical reality? Is it what's going on in our mind? Yeah. What's going on yeah. in
2: yeah. our heads?
4: Yeah. How we perceive
2: what's happening, you yeah. know, which could be different from person to person as well. My perception of this conversation is probably different I agree. than yours. Um, are, but are they both real? Probably. I think they are real. In a sense. Um,
4: I know that ever since I was a boy, yeah. when I was a kid, I learned that I could lie and make people believe it. And that got me into worlds of trouble. And so <laughs> I turned to acting <laughs> because I could do it legitimately then. But ever since I learned that, that I could make people believed that things were true that weren't true I became very disillusioned myself and I started looking for reality what was real what was real when you spend your whole life either backstage or learning lines or planning some illusion I guess all creative people maybe feel this way when you do this sort of thing for a living you spend your whole life creating illusions for other people um, So you spend a lot of time wondering what is actually real. I I even look at uh, signage when I go into a bank or any institution, you know, that looks like it's very, very solid. And I'll look and see how the illusion of solidity was created. What materials are used? Who put this together? You know, what message is this giving us? And you realize that it isn't real. So there's very, very little in life that actually... I think is real, I tend to think the stuff that's in our hearts and in our heads is more important than the physical stuff.
2: That's interesting, Bill. You know, I used to work at a, a job where we, I used to work at a theater and we used to have changes and I would verbally tell people the changes. They would never believe me, but if I'd made a sign with the words on the paper and posted it in the window, they would believe me, but they wouldn't oh, believe me as an employee telling them verbally, which that's I thought was interesting, interesting.
4: Yeah. So then they're but like, one, I saw it on the sign, so it has to be true. It has to be
2: true, so then it's true. But when I tell you with my words, it's not true.
4: Well, is this why people believe things that they read online that are obviously foolishness? Because it's written down,
2: possibly, because it's written in words. That could be. I don't know. Yeah, that could be. like, And you wouldn't believe someone who might have told you that word of
4: mouth. Well... I know that um, on uh, conspiracy theory videos and whatnot, I've read that the psychology of these is that if there's a graphic that reinforces what the narrator is intoning, that it's much more likely to be accepted. Like, you know, if, if I say Tanya Atomic, actually a piece of broccoli, if the words piece of broccoli appear very solidly in a stable type, then people will go like, damn, I, I didn't know Tanya was a piece of broccoli, but look, it says piece of <laughs> oh, broccoli. Right there. In writing. But they don't know that. That just means that somebody typed it in. Right, yeah. I, but This this brings up an
2: interesting... I don't want to cut you off if you have No, more. you're
4: not. Go ahead. I'm just blabbering. Um,
2: After you did Coyote by Trevor Younger, I read somewhere where you had said that um it was hard for you to shake that character yep. after being so involved in it, and hearing what we were talking about now i'm wondering, do you feel like um when you get immersed into something you 're doing creatively, do you feel like that you're not sure where that ends? Does that come into your everyday real life
4: yes it can't it it can't not to use a ridiculous triple negative it can't not not come into you. Your uh, everyday life, because otherwise you can't do it. Um, For listeners, uh, I know nobody's seen Coyote or maybe a few of you have, but I would encourage you to watch it. It's it's by a young filmmaker um, named Trevor Yinger, and uh, it's called Coyote, and it's available. I think you can get it online and through uh, Amazon and whatnot. But it's about a man who can't sleep and he begins to hallucinate and you don't know what's real and what's not. And by the end of the movie, you don't know if anything in the movie is real or not. And, um, and and that's the way that it was filming it. Um, yes, that, that emotional reality becomes your reality. I know it's a cliche for actors and people say, oh, you know, it's just a job. But if it really is just a job, then, and you just turn it off immediately after you're done, you're not going to be good at it.
2: So that must become like in your search for, you know, what is reality and what is not, those emotions and those that psychology basically must become part of your reality then.
4: Hmm, that's very astute of you. Yes. Um I did a character called Papa Korn in a movie called Circus another of the Dead. Film. Um he was What what is Oh, I saying? just
2: said it's another great film, Billy Pond.
4: Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, Billy Pond's film, um, the clown was a serial killer. He was a necrophiliac. But beyond all of that, um, he was a nihilist. He believed that the world has no meaning, life has no meaning, that anything bad can happen at any moment for any reason, and none of it means anything. And to me, that's the most chilling, horrifying thought in the world and living inside the head and the mind and the actions of this clown i mean people will giggle oh you were playing a clown but he was i was playing a human being who believed that none of this means anything and it was horrible and it was horrifying it became a permanent part of my psyche oh, and goodness. it's still there this nagging this this nagging underlying feeling that there are people who believe that and you know I call them the 3am questions when you wake up at 3am and you have these ridiculous questions, you know, does my, does my partner really love me? Does my life mean anything? Uh, you know, um, um, have I caused horrible harm to someone that I didn't even realize it? Uh, all these horrible questions that come at 3am, every character that you play gives you another 3am mm. question.
2: The anxiety like of, uh, when your daily life is, not being thought about and you have nothing you're doing that little creeping anxiety.
4: That's right. The creeping anxiety, the 3 a.m. I think the 3 a.m. is why actors on a higher, higher level that I'll never reach. That's why some of them end up um, leaving this earth prematurely because the pressure of, um, you know, the, the pressure of it is just too much. You know, that,
2: uh, Circus of the Dead is so chilling and so scary because of that, exactly. The attitudes of the characters, so
4: frightening. It was to me. um, I don't know, Tanya. You know, it's weird. We live in this sort of very ironic culture where most people will refuse to take anything seriously. Um, Everything's a joke uh and it's a very very flippant culture you know so if you're sincere or earnest um, about questioning things and whatnot um, you you know it's sort of looked down upon but uh yeah you know it's just a clown movie he's killing people that's really cool but i i guess i'm cursed with always going straight to the questions, the 3 a.m. questions. (laughs) This is why I'm I'm not good at parties.
2: You know, I mean, I I didn't take the movie that way. I thought it was scary. And and in some, I mean, this is going to sound odd maybe, but in some ways beautiful because it was so well done and so frightening. And um, I think it's a great film because of that. I don't think it's a fun film. It's not a fun film for
4: me. I feel the same way. And, you know, working on this uh, Bradbury project, the centerpiece of the show that I'm doing here is um, a piece from something wicked dwells where Mr. Dark's in the library and he's offering old man, Charles Halloway, what he truly wants, which is to be young again. If he'll just give up his son and his friend, if he'll give up his family, um, And it's horrifying because a part of Halloway wants it. He wants to be young again that much. And there's a beauty in the purity of what Mr. Dark offers. You know, there's if there is a devil, there's a beauty and a simplicity in the devil saying, let it all go. Just let it all go. You can have everything you ever wanted. All you have to do is let go. See how easy it is? Just one finger. There you go. There you go. Now let the other finger go. That's it. Now just let go. And suddenly you've let go and you're falling and you're falling and you're falling and there's only abyss below you. It's it's beautiful. It's elegant. And it's horrifying. I was
2: going to ask you what um, draw for you, you felt yourself or others, that horror was. But I feel like we've, we've answered that. It's those. It's the 3 a.m. questions. I feel like
4: that answers that right there it's death uh, death is out there for all of us it's you know it it death is the inevitable it's the one thing nobody wants but it's but it will happen and whether it's a parent that you lose or a partner or whether you have to put a loved animal to sleep it's that constant reminder that all of this ends all of this ends all of this ends and I think that's the root of horror. When you're young, you think it's really cool to watch death because you're never going to die. And mm-hmm. so you're into movies like Final Destination and slasher films and whatnot. And then as you grow older, you start to deal with the reality that it is going to happen and questions of what is it. And, of course, you want there to be some meaning to what has happened before you leave this earth there's some meaning to everything that you've done there's got to be some meaning and so that's why a a character who whose worldview is that there is no meaning is so damn horrifying so yeah for me it's it's all about horror is all about death and the various ways that we approach it whether it's bravely to say you know you son of a bitch what did um oh what did captain spaulding say um, I think it was in the Devil's Rejects. We said, "You better kill me good, or you you better kill me good, or I'm gonna um, come back and make you my bitch, or something like that." You know, saying that to death, or being horrified when it comes. I don't know. It's it's yeah. It, it it's yeah. it's all about that.
2: Well, Bill, I could talk to you for a very long time, much, much longer than this. But um, (laughs) for our segment, we should probably wrap it up. But I did want to ask you if there's anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up.
4: No, I just want to thank you for uh, the opportunity to have a conversation. We haven't said anything of worth, (laughs) of course, but those are the best conversations, right? Because like, when you read a novel, it's not really about the plot, it's about the asides. So thank you for 20 minutes of wonderful asides. I I, I love you, Tanya, and I'm really, really Aww. thankful that you're my friend, and uh, I'm grateful for this conversation. Thank you.
2: So um, can you tell the listeners out there where they can find out more about you?
4: <laughs> if anybody wanted to. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to, you could go to BillOburst.com. It's a new website. Some cool stuff on there. A little hand comes up, and it draws stuff. Yeah, you could look at that. Um, You could go to my Ray Bradbury site, raybradburyliveforever.com, and you can follow me on all the social media. If you just uh, Google creepy son of a bitch, I'll probably come up too. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Tanya.
0: Okay, today on Zombie Animals, uh, we have Nudia with us again for this section, and we're talking about Zombies. This is for the things that we love. Now, we don't love zombies. In fact, we love to hate them. Creepy. Well, since this is an actual fact, it's a real stuff
3: going on in nature, that's why we we love to hate this. (laughs) Yes. The idea of all this
2: situation yeah i I love to hate it so much i want to just burn it burn it to the ground
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah i, I love, pretty love to hate it so much i want to bury it 12 feet underground and put rocks on top mm-hmm. <laughs> whoa so these things are real and what they are is it's it's bees that are attacked by a parasitic fly and the thing, and we watched a video, and the thing just goes so quick. It just lands on the bee. It injects it with a little stinger and injects eggs into its body. The eggs take about five days to, to ripen, whatever they do. <laughs> and then they start eating their way out of the bee. But during that process, the bee goes through this, oh, where it's flying at night, and it's just walking around like a a zombie,
3: exactly, yeah, it's a real sad epiphany that we watched on um, the bee because she suffers or the bee it suffers insomnia to start, so they are not a night creature, but they turn to be night creatures because of the parasite, seems so, according with the study that they did in that. This
0: video,
2: yeah, and then and then I think at the last stage they can't even fly anymore. No, yeah,
0: they just they, wander, walk around,
2: yeah, and that's how they discovered it. I think is they were like, Why are all these bees out at night and walk around on the ground? Yeah, yeah.
3: actually, they, they look like dead, like they are dead, but they are just landing on the floor, yeah,
0: and they're attracted to light at night, too. Oh, so like Which mods, kind of, oh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah hmm. they changed the whole behavior.
0: But you know, then I then we thought that was really really horrible, and this whole segment was going to be on zombies, and then mm-hmm. we found this caterpillar. Oh yeah, it's,
2: uh, it's <laughs> even worse.
0: Yes. They yes. were a zombie, uh, a zombie, a uh, parasitic wasp. So did you guys see that video? Yes.
1: That was crazy. We were eating
0: lunch. We were eating lunch. So, well, what did you think? You talk.
1: Oh my uh, God. I, I had just finished lunch, fortunately. So, um no, I, I, was, down. I was
3: eating a, a chicken quesadilla while I was watching that video. <laughs> I, dare, I dare our listeners to do that. <laughs> oh,
1: God. Yeah, do that, but with a trash can close by. Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> Why well, tell us about it, I mean, I yes. oh, somebody else described
2: it. I, one of the grossest parts to me is, okay, so these little, um, wasp babies are inside this caterpillar, and they grow, and they use, like, the caterpillar's body as a, as a, like, a makeshift yeah. womb.
0: And <laughs> they avoid all the major organs, so, like, though. the
2: like, caterpillar's body and the juices of its body... And wiggling around and and being very careful, the video said not to damage the caterpillar's Correct. organs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like living in between its organs. I mean, it's,
3: it's yeah. like they are so smart, and they are programmed in a way that even being an arbi, they know what to do and what to avoid
0: doing. Yeah, right. And we thought that was bad, but that's not all. Go on, Tanya. No, let's keep going, Tanya. No. <laughs> So then it said that the um,
2: wasp larvae had like razor sharp teeth that were only for, to be able to eat its way out of the caterpillar's yep. body. That That's the only reason why they have those teeth. So they chew their way out of the caterpillar's body and are, ugh, are basically like born, ugh. So they wiggle out of its body. And the caterpillar stays Correct. alive. That's what I was
1: about to say! And the then... The caterpillar survives! Yeah, that's Dad. my favorite part. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Not favorite, but to hate. My favorite part to hate. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and
0: I'm, I just got to interject the mouth on that thing. It looked just like those big creatures from the movie Dune. Did you ever oh, see yeah. It, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it like they work. copied those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but make them way, way bigger. But right. that's not all. Keep yeah. going, Tanya. Yeah?
2: That's not all. so then so the caterpillar when when they get injected with the babies it's also acts as a virus and it changes the caterpillar's brain chemistry so the caterpillar actually stays alive helps these little you know pupa or whatever they are at that stage um develop um a cocoon so it helps them create a cocoon and it uses its own cocoon that it would normally use for itself to become a butterfly it uses all its Cocoon webbing to go around the babies and then it and then it like sits on them like a like a yeah, mom it, on its nest and basically yep. protects the babies until they're born and then it dies of starvation because it can't go through its own yeah. cocoon process it's
3: horrible and because they she doesn't abandon them that's why she's not right. grabbing food or something right.
2: so she's <clears throat>
3: she's now. Mm. kind of like programmed in a way that she's the mother or something like that. I don't know who's right. worse, if the wasp's right. larvae or her, <laughs> being that <laughs> that bad on herself. It's terrible. Yeah. Man. yeah. And,
2: well, they think it changes her brain chemistry, so it doesn't understand it's what it's doing and it starts working yeah. for the babies. Yeah.
3: Ew. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's wheeled got kidnapped and reprogrammed or something like that. I mean like right. a true zombie, like a, a correct. zombie. Yes, yeah, that's why we were calling it the 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 caterpillar zombie instead of the wasp. Yeah. The zombie is a caterpillar.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and meanwhile the wasp mother's yeah. off on a beach somewhere, you know, drinking Mai right? Tais yes. and having a great time. Yeah.
2: Oh, And the other gross part is they said at that point of the larval um stage The only um, thing, the only predator that they had was being impregnated by more predators. Yeah. So the Mm -hmm. the little larvae growing into wasps could have also been impregnated by a
0: predator too. Oh my gosh! Mm
3: -hmm. Or injected another time. Yeah. (laughs) As well.
0: Right. They inject each other. Man, that's a nasty net. I just, I'm so creeped out. I can't stop scratching. I'm (laughs) like. so yeah love to hate hate that so much and just hate it yes. and i hope to never see one and i hope mm-hmm. to never be one <laughs> <laughs> oh, <of course>. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that's it for zombies and again we'll be posting these links and videos they're very interesting to watch um just don't be eating a chicken quesadilla when you're, <laughs> when you're
3: doing it. And it's kind of like worse than a horror movie because this is real life. Yeah. Nature. Just pure nature. It is yeah. it's worse. Go watch For it. me. Go <laughs> watch it
0: kids. Go watch it. And that's that's the end of this this segment. Thank you so much. Thank you. hope you enjoyed this episode of Jackie's Hand of Horror. For links and more information on the fun and sometimes horrible things we discuss, please visit us on Facebook at Jackie's Hand of Horror and that's Jackie with an E-Y. Thanks again for listening today and special thanks to the great people who come together to make this podcast possible my co-host Tanya Atomic and Rachel Jackson, and also Greg Talley, Ron McAdams, Natalie Ryan, and the rest of the crew at the Revival League podcast. Join us again in two weeks for another fun podcast.